Simon says, clap your hands. Well, to some of you, I'm Simon. To some of you, I'm not. Okay. Got it. Got it. Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And then if you, we're going to skip over to Luke 18, 34 through 35. Luke chapter 1, 18 through 20. And Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Skip down to Luke 18, verses 34 through 35. Almost a similar question and answer. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. I want to speak to you for a few moments about God's how. God's how. Because we all have questions, don't we? But I'm here to tell you that God has a how. Amen. Father, we ask you to bless the ministry of the word. Bless the hearer. God, let everything that I say encourage and edify the body. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated. It's interesting, both people have questions, both people have angelic visitations, supernatural encounters, but one is struck silent and the other is blessed. And as I began to look, Mary said, how shall it be? She believes it'll come to pass, but since she is a virgin, she said, I don't understand how it's possible. She didn't doubt it could be, her question was one of faith. It was the how of faith. But Zacharias said, how shall I know for certain? He didn't ask, how is it going to come to pass? But how shall I know for certain? He seeks a sign. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, hey, Zach, the angel in front of you might be a sign. That, that might, I don't know that that happens every day. You've been in the temple for several years. Maybe you've had lots of encounters, but... And that's what Gabriel says. He said, how shall I know for certain? And Gabriel says, look, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to give you this news. This doesn't happen every day. Wake up, man. Something miraculous is happening around you. Mary asked the how of explanation, but Zacharias asked the how of confirmation. They're two different questions. There is a difference between the how of faith and the how can I know for sure of unbelief. Let me tell you, when you get a word from God, don't seek a sign. You may wonder how this is going to happen and how it could come to pass, and that may be fine. But you don't need a sign if God is speaking to you and sent you a prophet or sent you one with a word of wisdom. That's the sign. He doesn't tell you things he doesn't expect to come to pass. Can I get a witness in here? 
He doesn't send you a messenger just to encourage you. He sends you a messenger so that you know for a certain. I put your mail in someone else's mailbox and they told you. That should be enough. I know what you need. I know what you've been praying about. I know what you're seeking. See, Mary seeks understanding while Zacharias seeks assurance. Understanding and assurance are two different things. Psalm 19 and 7 says the testimony of the Lord is sure. That's the assurance that God said it. I always love it when people go through their Bible and they say, well... You know, Jesus doesn't say anything. I see these memes all the time. Anybody see this stuff on TikTok? Well, Jesus didn't say anything about abortion. So he must not have a feeling on it. Well, he didn't say anything about rape either. Is he okay with that? He didn't say anything about incest. Is he okay with that? You can't make an argument in theology from silence. You go from what has already been said in the Old Testament. And even though he may not have handled it specifically, that doesn't mean he's changed his mind about what is already stated. Can I get a witness? And it doesn't matter how much it's spoken of in the Scripture. I love this. People say, well, it's only said one time. Well, who said it? If you're talking about men's writing, you might know what's important to a man by the frequency of that they mention it. But if God said it, that settles it. He only has to say it one time. And if God told you he's going to bless you or he's going to give you a child or he's going to heal you, then he's going to do that. Amen. You don't need a sign. You don't need assurance. Amen. I'm starting to tear stuff up. Careful. Isaiah said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. God didn't have to tell us anything, but he wants to reveal his desire for us through his word and through his promises. So some of you've got a word and you've been holding on to it. That's all you need to do. You may have a how of explanation, but you don't need a how of assurance. See, because Zacharias could not walk by faith, he had to wait and testify and rejoice by sight. Now think about this. His sign of confirmation was dumbness. He said, how shall I know? And so the angel said, well, since you couldn't believe, you won't be able to tell your wife the good news. Here's a guy in his old age, well past childbearing, who just had an encounter with an angel, but he comes home and he has to mime it. I don't know how you mime. I just saw an angel and we're going to have a baby. I don't know how to mime that. I, I don't know if he had to write it down, but he's had this incredible encounter, and because he couldn't believe God, he couldn't share it with others. Let me give you a little insight today. If you can't believe what God's saying to you, you won't be able to encourage others. Here's a wife at home that's waiting on a baby that thinks her, her time has passed. And in that culture, if you didn't have a baby, you, were, you couldn't even be a part of the future Messiah, possibly. You couldn't be a part of the fulfillment of the prophecies. And here she is waiting, and your husband comes home and goes... Is that, that's it. Are you going to have the baby or am I going to have the baby? Yeah. Looks like you. See, his sign of confirmation is he can't speak. He had an incredible experience that he was unable to share. 
See, when we seek assurance, we're not unable to share it until we get the assurance. And the angel said, I'm going to assure you, you won't be able to share it. Some of us have words from God that we can't share. We have prophecies that are sure and firm as the word of God. It's not going to return void, but we can't share it because we're looking for assurance. He had an incredible experience. He had good news he could not express. How is it that he could be a priest and serve in the holy place, yet not believe an angelic messenger? But this little girl who's 14 or 15 years old, who doesn't serve in the temple, who doesn't have his religious background, sees an angel. And she says, may it be done on me according to your word. I am the Lord's servant. She said, I just don't understand how I could have a child. I understand how the natural process works, but I don't understand how it's going to happen for me. And her sign of explanation is this. The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. I want to hear you today that God's how is the Holy Ghost. God's how is the Holy Ghost. She, she could have asked a second question. Well, what does that look like? But she said, that's enough for me. I understand the Ruach Kodesh. I know the power of the Spirit. I've seen it work on the prophets of the Old Testament. I've seen it move on kings and priests. I understand it now. You're going to send the Holy Ghost to overshadow me. How is a God who feels all time and space, who is everywhere at all times going to enter our world and save mankind? The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow a willing vessel that would rather have God use her than have a husband. She understood what that means. I would rather have God use me and all the difficulty that brings with me, with my family and my culture and my future husband. Be it unto me as you say. Overshadow me with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Can I get a witness in here? She was more concerned about Israel's salvation, her people, than her own reputation. While Zacharias tries desperately to mime his incredible encounter, Mary is able to articulate her experience to Elizabeth. The very woman that should have got news from her husband. It takes Mary, a 14-year-old, to go into the house and say, I'm expecting a child. And when Elizabeth hears the news, the baby John, the Baptist, leaps in her womb and she's filled with the Holy Ghost. She could have been filled with the Holy Ghost six months ago if her husband would have believed the angelic visitation. But she has to wait for Mary to show up. And then she says to Mary, watch this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken by the Lord. Blessed is the one who could just believe it and just stand, even though it was overwhelming, even though it was difficult, and it offered her shame. She could just stand and say, you said it, I believe it. Be it unto me as you say. I wish there were some Marys who could step forward today and say, overshadow me with the Holy Ghost. Whatever it takes to change my life and to free me and to heal me, let it be so unto me. I'm your servant. Elizabeth had to rejoice with Mary because she couldn't rejoice with her mute husband. She could have received the Holy Ghost six months ago, but her husband couldn't believe. And she could not receive until someone shared good news with her. See, many of you came here today with a haunting question of explanation. 
How is my lost child ever going to be saved? I got good news. The Holy Ghost is going to convict them and draw them. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is going to go into the bar place and move on them. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is going to deliver them. The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow them when they're away from the church. And they're going to sense their longing and their need of God. Don't you give up on the Holy Ghost. That's still his how. That's still his how. He's going to draw them back. Something is going to happen in their life that's going to show them the error of their ways. And they're going to come to themselves in a far country and realize even the servants in my father's house have better than me. I want you to know the Holy Ghost can work in a far country. The Holy Ghost can work in the pig pen. The Holy Ghost can draw when they're far from home. How are you going to reach a materialistic, naturalistic, secular world? We're not going to rely on our intellect or our eloquence. We're going to do it just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. My message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We need a Holy Ghost demonstration. We need a Holy Ghost outpouring. Some of us need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. I thank God for our excellence. I thank God for our friendliness. Amen. But once all that's done, we still need somebody to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. I want them to sense it in me. I want to be so full of it that they sense the Holy Ghost in me, that it's overflowing out of me, that love and compassion and welcome and acceptance can be seen on my face before I ever say a word. I can't do that in myself. I'm not good enough. And I'm just going to tell you, some of you who are going to come to this altar today, and I know you will because I have faith. I should have brought a Kleenex. Help me, Lord. So, someone asked C.H. Spurgeon, or he asked a young minister that he was training. He said, listen. Do you always expect people to be saved in your services? The kid was trying to be, uh, I guess, humble. And he said, no. And he said, that's your problem. Yes, every time I get up, I expect somebody to walk the aisle for the first time. Because that's how powerful the Holy Ghost is. I don't rely on my eloquence or my ability, but I know he's here. And he loves them more than I do. And he's drawing and convicting and working in ways that I can't see. You've got to trust that that's going on, even if you don't feel it. I was an evangelist for many years. I've preached in churches where I knew almost everybody in there. Couldn't have been more than 40 or 50 people. I've been there for three weeks. I knew the kid who was whittling on the back of the pew and cleaning his fingernails with his pocket knife. I knew the lady who was balancing her checkbook while I was preaching. That's encouraging, by the way. Very encouraging. I'm thinking, I am not getting over to these people at all. I am thinking, my goodness, I don't know why I'm here. But you know what? In about week two, the pastor would get my attention. I'd be over here praying with somebody, and then I'd come over here, and guess what? It was the kid who had been whittling the back of the pew. Because God was working when I couldn't see it. 
that the Word was still at work when I didn't know what was going on, that the Holy Ghost was knocking on His heart when I didn't feel like I was getting through. He can speak in a language that I can't. He can move in a way that I can't. I can't make the blind see, but the Holy Ghost can. I can't make the lame walk, but the Holy Ghost can. I can't make dead men come to life, but the Holy Ghost can resurrect them. I believe he's in this place today, and he's still our how. You want to know that we're going to have an outpouring in these last days. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Does anybody still believe that? That's what people were feeling in here a while ago. It was that unseen element. The worship was great. The singing was on key. But without that unseen element that's drawing people and moving on hearts in a way that humans can't. See, how are we going to cut through the distinctions of denominations and doctoral differences? Mark 16, 20, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following. The Lord is going to work with us. The Lord is going to move. And these signs are going to follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I thank God that I don't have to rely on my ability Hallelujah, or my knowledge, but there's somebody working in this place, unseen to everyone else, that is knocking on men's hearts. How is God going to bring life out of barrenness? How is God going to awake a sleeping church from our slumber? How can a church of observers become an army of witnesses? God is going to overshadow us. The Greek word means to envelop in a haze of brilliance. You will feel confused and your sight will be limited. Now, if you're just looking by sight, you, some of us look on and watch other people respond to the Spirit and we don't know what's going on. It looks hazy to us. It looks strange. But wait till it happens to you. If you could, and God's a gentleman. He's not going to do anything to you you don't want to happen. But if you'd say, Lord, be it unto me as you have spoken. I want everything that you have for me. And you would open the door. He'll come in and move in a mighty way. See, you, when you're overshadowed in that brilliance and that haze, your sight will be limited. You may even be convinced that things are getting worse. But out of that haze will come a conception of the miraculous. Life will spring from limitation. Isn't that what happened to Paul or Saul of Tarsus? In Acts 9, it says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Paul is just a blind person. Until he receives the Holy Ghost. Watch this. And it said, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he recovered his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Watch this. Immediately. I'm going to tell you the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Three days before, you're putting people in jail. Three, three days before, you're threatening people with death. Three days before, you're fighting against God. But when you get the power of the Holy Ghost and that howl comes upon you, then he starts teaching Jesus in the synagogue to the same people he used to work for. Don't you doubt the power of the Spirit to change you and release you and deliver you. Watch this. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue, that he was the Son of God, that he was the Jewish Messiah. Then all who heard were amazed. Because, see, the Holy Ghost can take someone who's an enemy and make them a preacher. In three days. He didn't have time to go to seminary. He didn't have time to figure out why he had it all wrong. But once Christ came to live in him, he started to see the beauty of the gospel. He started to see the power of the Messiah and who Jesus was. And that changed him. Hallelujah. He says, they said, is not this he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that very purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. What happened? We thought you were coming to clean up this rabble. Now you're a part of it. I thought you were against him. Now you're following him. I thought you thought he was, uh, you know, just, just a lunatic or a liar. But now you call him Lord. What happened to you? I'll tell you how it happened. When Ananias laid his hands on him, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire and power. And that's what's available to you today. And I don't care if you've already received it. I think sometimes we need to pray through again. Now, I'm going to go grandma on y'all today, okay? Because I'm leaving for two weeks, okay, two and a half weeks, going on a great trip. I'm going to go grandma on you. Because grandma used to tell me, if you don't get your stuff straight, I'm going to put you on that altar until you pray through. <laughs> Listen to me. I believe in counseling. I believe her. I've been in it and done it. It's great. It's awesome. But if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and you're not following the Holy Ghost, there's a limitation to the most brilliant person who could take you through that. I want you to know that. All right? I believe in all, I believe in medicine and doctors and things, but I'm here to tell you that the Holy Ghost is in this place. And if you let him do what he wants to do, you won't go to that next doctor's appointment. And when you go, there'll be good news and a good report because he's in the healing business and the miracle business. Yeah, so I told the, I told the staff, I said, look, we have great leadership here. I said, the, the test that I've been successful as a pastor is that while I'm gone, you guys have revival. And I believe that. There's not going to be one drop off because you know who's here? Great leadership full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you're here full of the Holy Ghost. So I want to come back to a church on fire that's had God's howl overshadow them in the two and a half weeks that I'm gone. And there's people being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the true test whether I have trained up people or not. And then it says in verse 22, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. 
I mean, here's a guy who thought he was a liar a few days ago, fought against him, thought he was tearing down Judaism, and now he proves that he is the Messiah and confounds them and grows in strength and power. The difference was the Holy Ghost. Think about this. As he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed. As he was traveling, the Bible says in 9.3, that it happened around him, this brilliance. He was enveloped in brilliance, overshadowed, I would say. He was blinded. How do you change a persecutor of the church into a preacher of the gospel? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. I believe he was overshadowed. How do you change someone like me who was addicted to methamphetamine to a preacher? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's not me. It's not my discipline. It's not my willpower. It's the power of God working in me and overshadowing me and delivering me and freeing me. I don't care what you're bound by. The Holy Ghost will free you. You need the Holy Ghost. You need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Woo. Praise God. Mm. See, that's, I've told you all this so many times, but I feel to tell it again. That's why I can't, I didn't go to a 12-step program. If you went to one and that helped you, great, all power to you. That's great. Okay? So I'm not, I can't go to those places. Why? Because when you go to a 12-step pro- process, e- even if you've been through it, you have to say this. Hi, I'm Brent. I'm an addict. That's not my identity anymore. I've been delivered. I've been free. I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I can't admit that anymore. When the Holy Ghost came in, some things went out. I'm here to tell you if you're bound, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Overshadowed in it. I can't admit that. That would be a lie to the person who delivered me. I've never had another desire for a drug. I've been drunk on some new wine. But you don't have a hangover after that. You had to spend all your money after that. Oh, I still do some lines occasionally. But they're lines of scripture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get down just like everybody else. But I start reading. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I start feeling better already. I don't have to have a chemical help. I'll start reading. Hallelujah. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm starting to feel better already. I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost in me. You need to get in that word and read those promises and let the Holy Ghost come on you again with power and authority. Hallelujah. Woo. I got to stop. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Do you realize what those promises are? Do you realize what they are? That is God didn't have to, but condescended to obligate himself to us. Because once he said it, it's out there. He has to be true to that or he ceases to be God. He ceases to be truthful. He ceases to be faithful. His reputation is hanging on those promises. Not your level of faith. His reputation. His reputation. 
He said, I'll do it for my namesake. He said, you may be doubting, you may be wavering, you may have difficulty, but for my name's sake, for my reputation, I'm going to bless the church. I'm going to heal. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to draw sinners. <laughs> he, said, he said, when I can swear by none greater, I swore by myself. Now, you got that? Do you understand why God swears? Not because he needed he swears for us because we have trouble believing. You know why people swear? Because they're telling a big story usually. Right? I'm not talking about cursing. I'm talking about when they say, I'm telling you, I swear, I swear to God, it was, you know, the fish was this big. Right? Or, or if they're telling you some outlandish story that's hard to believe, they see it in your eyes. They see you kind of going. And so they swear, right? I swear. I swear on my mother's grave. Right? I swear. Because they see it. So God knows that our propensity is to see the greatness of his promises and what he wants to do and go, I don't know about that. And so he said, you know, when I could swear by none greater, by the sun or the moon or the earth, he said, I stepped outside and swore by myself so that you would know that I'm sincere about bringing to pass everything that I promised in the book. I am sincere about bringing. And I gave you the Holy Ghost as a down payment. That's to show that I'm serious, that if I gave you the Holy Ghost and I'm the first fruits of the dead, that means you're going to rise again as well. I gave you assurances that I was going to keep my promises. Think about this. Out of, out of blindness comes revelation. So much revelation that a thorn must be put in Paul's side to keep him humble. He's caught up into the third heaven and sees things that are too wonderful to describe. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. How the barrenness unbelief was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. That's how. God, how are you going to get the gospel message out through your disciples? I mean, they argue about who's the greatest. They vie for positions of honor in your coming kingdom. They don't even understand it. They don't understand much of what you teach unless you give them a private interpretation after the parable. One of them is a devil and will betray you. Another one will deny you three times in front of a little girl. And the rest of them are going to scatter in fear when you go to the cross. How are you going to make that bunch of people get the gospel out? And he says it in Luke 24, 49. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are, not to, you are to stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He said, I know their limitations. I know their weakness. But I'm about to show you my how. I'm about to clothe them in power and authority from on high. Hallelujah. After being overshadowed, these same disciples turned the world upside down. They came back to a prayer meeting rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer for his namesake. And then they had a prayer meeting that shook the whole place. Hallelujah. You know what the difference was? It was the Holy Ghost. It was being full of the Holy Ghost. They cast out demons. They had a 3,000 soul revival in one day. And they ran. Those that ran before now went to their death proclaiming Jesus his Lord to the glory of God. How? How? For every how, God has an explanation. The power of the Holy Ghost. Believe me, the Holy Ghost is greater than your how. 
It's all right to ask for an explanation, but God is going to send you the Holy Ghost as the explanation. How do you get a proud, prejudiced Jew to accept an unclean Gentile? Well, first you have to show him a vision of unclean food and command him to eat it three times. That's Peter. At the refusal, you have to correct him not to call common what he has cleansed. And then you have to send an envoy to knock on his door while he's in the vision to collect him to go. Right? The spirit must confirm to him that it's safe to go. And finally, the last thing that you can do to change his heart toward those outside of his culture is you pour out the Holy Ghost on the Gentile person he's speaking to. Hallelujah. The Bible says in chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out of the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who received the Holy Ghost just as you did. How do people break free of addiction? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. How do, you, how do you change a marriage situation that's about to fracture? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. If you got marriage problems, you may need to pray through first and then seek a good counselor. Yeah, we always go to Ephesians 5 and we say, well, this is how the husband should behave and this is how. But you don't ever read the chapter before that it says be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because none of that is possible if you're not full of the Holy Ghost. You don't have the power within you to love your wife as Christ loved the church if you're not full of the Holy Ghost. Ladies, you don't have the power to honor your husband when he's selfish if you ain't full of the Holy Ghost. Anybody can give what they're getting, but it takes somebody full of the Holy Ghost to love somebody who's being unkind. How do people break free of addiction? It's the Holy Ghost. I'm believing and praying that we're going to win transgendered people right here in this church because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Not because I have the answer to their dilemma. Not because I know what to tell them. But because they're going to come in here and sense the power of God. And the love of God. And the drawing of God. The angel told Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Let me ask you a strange question. Anybody have those little, I'm quitting right here, okay. Anybody have those little Bible books, the little blue ones? You remember those that had the Bible stories in it? I just happened to look in one the other day. And read the little story of Samson. And guess what? Samson is portrayed as like Hercules or Adonis. He's a muscle man. I found that interesting. So I went back and I read the Samson story again. And watch this. Do you think Samson was muscular? I mean, because that's what the story says. That's the way they draw him. Was he built like a bodybuilder or even bigger? Every child's Bible illustrator draws Samson as a man with great muscles. But watch this. Delilah and the Philistines continue to ask him, where is the secret to your strength? It wasn't obvious to them. They keep asking, tell us, what's the secret? They didn't look at him and go, oh my God, he's 6'6", 340. That makes sense. 
They said, tell us what's going on. You look pretty normal to us. What is the secret to your strength? They couldn't figure it out. That means he must have looked quite ordinary. Otherwise, they wouldn't have asked. What was the secret to his strength? Well, Judges 15 tells us. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily that the ropes that were on his arms broke as flax and burned with fire and his bonds dropped from his hands and he found the jawbone of a donkey and he reached out and he killed 3,000 people. I think he was an ordinary man until the Spirit of God came upon him. Hallelujah. You say, I don't know how to break these habits. You may be ordinary, but when the Spirit of God comes upon you, He's going to help you break those habits and break out of that negative mindset and break out of that bad identity that you got from your family. How are we going to have revival in the midst of societal decay and moral corruption? How are we going to reach a world that calls evil good and good evil? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. We are going to have an end time outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I believe that. I believe it's going to gather in people from all around. I, I remember as a kid, I remember those services. And I guess we've gotten too dignified for it, but I remember being lost in the Holy Ghost. Huh? Somebody said, well, my, my faith is weak. You know what you need to do? You need to pray in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. That's what we've abandoned. Hallelujah. To pray till you start praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit makes intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. You can't replace that with knowledge. You can't replace that with other things. You can't replace that with ability. You've got to have help from outside. I love what Paul says there in Ephesians. He says, be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now, don't get mad at me. I didn't use the example Paul did. Paul wanted to understand that being filled with the Spirit is much like being under the influence of alcohol. That's what he said. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Don't we say that people who are drunk, they're full? Don't we say that? He says, be full of the Spirit. In other words, be so full of the Spirit that you're under its authority. Under its authority and its power. It's funny, I, I have some experience in, in, in bars and I've seen people that were really shy stand offside the, the dance floor and they couldn't ask anybody to dance and they didn't have anything to dance but about three drinks later. Yeah? Am I right? Because they were the, under the influence of someone else, something else that took over their natural shy personality. Hey, it's not just that people who are demonstrative in worship are naturally that way. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. But I am not going to quench the spirit when the Holy Ghost comes on me. I'm not going to give him less what I gave the devil when I was in the world. And I worshiped the world hard. I'm not going to come in here and sit down on him after he's filled me and washed me and cleansed me and delivered me. No, 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 no. Stand with me all over the building. We need some people to be full of the Holy Ghost. 
full of the Holy Ghost. How? How's it going to happen? How's God going to usher in this end time revival? He's going to start fires in people's lives. He's going to start fires in people's life. Remember, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. We really don't know what that verse means. That standard is always a man or a woman full of the Holy Ghost. That's what that is. That's somebody. Because when Ahab and Jezebel were ruling Israel, he raises up Elijah out of nowhere. Somebody to speak on behalf of God. And we are in a time where we need the Holy Ghost again. I, I don't want to... Hey, I was born in the flame. I can't live in the smoke. I'm sorry. I came out of this thing on fire, and I have to continue to be on fire. I thank God for what he's taught me and the theology that I have. But when it comes down to it, I still have to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. Or I can't reach anybody in this building. I thank God for our singers. But if they're not full of the Holy Ghost, we're not going to draw anybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Northgate Pentecostal. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube, and you can watch the video of the message you just listened to. God bless y'all.